can you see I got another mosquito bite right by my nose oh my god <laughs> I swear there's a mosquito living in my apartment that I can't find I haven't even seen it or you know witnessed it that's in the, the worst act. part <sighs> so because you're just gonna itch for days now not know where it's coming from I know there's one on my foot and my ankle like really pissing me off those are the worst to scratch too I know because it's just too easy to like prop your leg up on your knee and just like oh yeah and just rip the shit out of it (laughs) yeah just go to town on it I know firsthand all right so uh (laughs) here we are again (laughs) I know did you do a rewatch or no I didn't I couldn't bring myself to do it I was thinking about it I had time and I'm like nope yeah I also had time I just did not have the motivation Whatsoever. Yeah, I didn't want to sit through it again. Like, I did it. I watched. I wrote notes. That isn't good enough. Then <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I did the 60-second summary. It went okay. And then I watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and now I'm here. <laughs> and now we're here. It was a good use of my time. So mm-hmm. this is I Hate It. Let's watch it. I'm Lisa. I'm Dawn. And to get us started, here's our 60-second summary. On this week's episode of Riverdale, we revisit the tug of war over Pop's diner with Tabitha desperately trying to save it while Percival prepares to bulldoze it. She comes up with a plan to dismantle Pop's and keep it on ice until they can find a safe place to rebuild, which is a good plan until she encounters resistance from the four ghosts tethered to the diner whose sole purpose in the afterlife is to witness the final battle. But with the help of Cheryl and her old friend turned sexy librarian witch Heather, they manage to get the ghosts on board and move Pop's to safety in the El Royale. Meanwhile, Jughead and Veronica have joined forces to rip people off with a mind reading act at the casino. Reggie tries to get in on the deal using Veronica's hit on Hiram as blackmail, but Veronica gets Jughead to erase that little detail from Reggie's memory, which is super not cool. Speaking of not cool, Tony proposes to Fangs, but only because it might help their chances in their custody battle. Uncle Frank pretends to join Archie's side, but is ultimately playing double agent for Percival. And Alice says some super mean things to Betty after she removes the twins from Alice's guardianship with, let's be honest, very good reason. As Betty tries to understand her superpower, we discover that little Juniper has the serial killer gene and Betty has her own scary red aura of danger. And damn Riverdale, what is up with those Coopers? Anyway... Hmm. So this episode, we have two new players in the game. We do. Oh, yeah. Wait, who? Oh, okay. (laughs) I honestly didn't see them that way, so I guess um, that's why. I don't know because. All right, who do you want to? What do you want to discuss? (laughs) I'm always at a loss when we. I know. I don't want to discuss any of it. I will say that the thing that pissed me off the most in the episode, or at least left me feeling the most icky, mm-hmm. was when Veronica convinced Jughead to wipe Reggie's memory. Oh. I didn't like that at all. Not only did I not like it, but I have some weird feeling there's a weird connection, bond, team up that they're going to have going forward, and I don't like it. I hope that's not true. <laughs> I just, she seems to be like what's the word I'm looking for? Becoming dependent on him. It seems like every time he gets in the groove of something. Yeah, she needed him. Right. So like he, you know, he has his writer's block and all that. Then she calls. Then he gets ideas and then she calls. And I'm like, oh no, she's going to fuck something up for him. And I don't want to be there when it happens. Yeah, well, that was my problem with it, too, is just she seemed to be dragging him, like, further and further into the underworld that she likes to live in, but Mm -hmm. Jughead has 
had sort of a checkered past with his alcoholism and homelessness and things. And so (laughs) to think that like she could be dragging him back into a place that is not on the straight and narrow very much bothers me. Yeah. I mean, she has him basically as a sideshow right now for a carnival. Right. And I was surprised that he agreed to it. I know. But I guess he was looking to make some extra money. I don't know. He was bored because he had writer's block, of course, because Jughead is not Jughead without writer's block. And his writer's block now isn't even like novel form. It's graphic novels. Graphic novels. So there's extra because it's like, okay, now he's got to draw on top of actually think of a storyline. So it's... I don't know, man, but I don't see this going very well. No, especially because, I mean, Reggie, Reggie figures out. I'm actually kind of impressed that Reggie figures out what happened very quickly and goes to Percival and says, hey, I'm pretty sure Veronica and Jughead erased part of my memory, but I don't know what they erased. Mm -hmm. So Percival looked very agitated by that information. And so I suspect he will do something about it yeah i feel like he always has an answer or a solution to whatever wrench they throw at him where they think they've outsmarted him finally but clearly right. it's never yeah. gonna happen i mean i'm just i i don't understand why jughead went along with that he i feel like he pushed back a little bit he still went along with it which he did but i was happy also when she asked him about basically being like Forsyth the foreseer or whatever the hell it is and he's like I'm only going to do it for the people willing do not force me to do it on you know so I was like okay at least he's like like has kind of boundaries with it but again the whole concept now that he's done it once I see him doing it for other people or more so for Veronica with other people doesn't seem like an honest living to be making. So like, I think that's what bothers me about it. I feel like none of what they do is really an honest living. That's true. I mean, you have Tabitha and Pops. Oh yeah. That's the only literally transition over there. Cause I think we're done with Veronica and her bullshit, right? Yeah. (laughs) I hope I'm, I think so real quick though. Remember when we went several episodes without having musical number and now it seems like in I every... said I'm like really again we just did this. <laughs> in every episode we have to deal with a musical number and I'm just not happy about it. Yeah, but I think we're done. Yeah, I um, think that's pretty much it with them. But going over to Pops and Tabitha, we're back to the old save Pops mm-hmm. effort because Percival's gonna bulldoze it. This took such a weird fucking turn that I'm like, oh no, what does this have to do with anything we're now calling upon the supernatural and i don't understand why we have to go this far yeah i this was one of those things where i feel like i get to a certain point with this show where they introduce something really wacky and it just kind of rolls off me because because i can't anymore like i can't get upset about every little thing so this is the kind oh of, no i know this is the kind of weird thing that happens where i'm just like oh okay this is what we're doing with this right now all right and what we're doing is talking to four ghosts that are tethered to pop's diner because they died there and apparently they are supposed to witness the final battle between, I guess, us and Percival. And they're thwarting Tabitha's efforts to move Pops somewhere else because 
they will disappear or disintegrate or whatever if they don't have a a diner to (laughs) inhabit for a certain period of time. So yeah, that's that's it, right? I explained that properly. (laughs) As best as I could have. Honestly, I'm Cheryl in this scenario because at one point she is literally standing there and she goes, what the hell is a ghost train? Oh, God, I forgot about that part. Oh, my God. Yeah, that made me roll my eyes. I was like, oh, God, we're kidding now, aren't we? (laughs) But it was just so funny that like her reaction. I'm like, that's literally all of us right now. Like, what else are you going to fucking make up about this whole thing yeah i guess it kind of gets us a little bit closer to explaining who or what percival might be because they don't really go into a lot of detail but apparently somebody who builds a ghost train i'm assuming connects the living and the Mm non-living worlds and that gives them a lot of power presumably so I guess that kind of gives us a motive for what Percival is doing. True, but now here's where I'm stuck. Okay. And again, why would I look into it? Why would I think of it? Who knows? How is Tabitha seeing them prior to going to Cheryl and Heather? And if that's the case, there already is a connection to the living. So what? Who cares? You know what I'm saying? No, you lost me. I mean, okay. I think I got the part where you were questioning why Tabitha can see them without a seance, essentially, right? That's right, because you part. you had just mentioned that the whole power that Percival, I guess, could have is by connecting the living and the dead through this ghost train thing, right? That's what you yeah. were basically saying? That's what I was saying, but I think maybe what I didn't fully say was that by doing this, it would kind of invite all kinds of spirits from the the afterlife back gotcha. into so the not human just world. Those four, right? Like it's not okay. just like a couple of friendly ghosts pop up and are like, "Hey, how's it going?" No, it's just kind of like legions of evil spirits and demons and things that would like come forth. That's usually how these things go, right? Right, of course. <laughs> Apocalypse. Thank you for you know correcting me there. Just clarifying, because I, yes, I, yes. I had the, I had the rest of that in my head. I just didn't say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> but this whole thing, even with Archie, I, I can't. We're dealing with the same scenarios over and over again in different styles, mm-hmm. so to speak. He's like, okay, I'm gonna take my crew and we're gonna take down Pops and rebuild it like immediately. Mm-hmm. But then they have it where Percival and Frank and that crew. Or putting it all back. But technically no, that was the ghosts. the ghosts. Yeah. Well, now we know that's the ghosts. But it was one of those things that I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. And I actually understood Tabitha at the point because she was like, oh, he wants to demo it in its entirety. Like, he right. can't accept that it's just a building now. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, he wants the soul. The heart and soul of Pops. Not just the four walls that make it up. Right. It reminds me a little bit of Hiram. Because it seemed like, it, you know, like the villain figures are very similar. Right. And and it's similar pitting Archie against them and sort of having that back and forth of like, come to our side. No, come to our side. And it's all, as you said, it's very repetitive. It mm-hmm. feels like we've done this before, just in a slightly different variation. I did find it funny that Fangs jumped on it immediately. Yeah. Fangs- like he didn't skip a beat. I mean, he he wants that cheddar because they need to win this custody battle. And 
uh, like weirdly enough, Fangs is still not the person in the relationship who makes the stupidest decision. <laughs> right. So <laughs> I guess he gets credit for that. His motivation for joining Percival's work crew, I guess, is baby Anthony. And so he's using that as his emotional tether right. to avoid being brainwashed. But Tony has no excuse. And she just decides that proposing to Fangs is the best way to solidify their family and make themselves look good in court. Mm. And I just, uh, they still don't agree on anything. No. How to raise baby Anthony, what the serpents mean, what they're supposed to do, what their role is in the community. So that's just bad news. That is, that is a disaster waiting to happen. Oh yeah. And like, we kind of see a preview for next week where it looks like Tony Dex Kevin in the face. Oh no, poor Kevin. (laughs) Yeah, no, literally she's like yelling. We haven't seen Kevin in two episodes and then he gets punched in the face. (laughs) And then you just see a fucking fist. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't know what you want to go to next. Like I just Did we finish with Pops? I I don't know. Not really, no. Because then we got Archie really upset with Uncle Frank about Right. Yeah. Everything. And you know, we're not dumb here. Except for the fact that we still watch the show. (laughs) Yeah, we can't excuse ourselves entirely. (laughs) No. And he basically has this whole heart to heart about how his dad would want them to be together and all the mushy bullshit and hands him a picture of them as kids. And is like, listen, he would want us to be a team. So then Frank comes back to him and is like, I really thought about it. And the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm like, He's full of shit. Yeah. Like, yeah, no they way. make it too obvious that it's not that simple. And we find out that, sure enough, he was going to take the entire truck of all of the furniture cops, and furniture. Me- memorabilia, all that stuff. We don't know exactly what he was going to do with it, but he was probably going to destroy it. So, well, actually, Archie had a very specific. He had two ideas. He said you yeah. were either going to dump it in Sweetwater River or start a bonfire. So, I mean, if I had to guess, I would probably go bonfire because everybody loves to light fires in Riverdale. So that's probably the MO. But we don't know exactly because he is thwarted by Betty who sees his aura of bad intentions and alerts Archie. So they're like, okay, we caught you. I did love Frank taking out the palladium and Archie just like, no, I'm fucking invincible. Boom, done. I mean, I could and I couldn't believe that frank tried to punch him you know it's just it begs the question of like how strong percival's mind control is and like how right because that's your nephew like yeah i i don't know because i had earlier suggested that the mind control isn't constant but rather there's enough influence happening over time where you just start to think that way but Mm -hmm. i feel like in order for frank to punch his nephew in the face there had to have been active mind control happening but that just seems ridiculous that that percival would be controlling so many people's minds at the same time unless he has like little surveillance cameras everywhere Mm. and he's just like okay i'm gonna focus on this person now i wouldn't put it past him though yeah and he might just have that in his brain because he's probably some kind of divine entity that or he has an evil layer under the oddity shop do you mean like a sex bunker sure an oddity bunker i miss that sex bunker actually yeah we haven't been there in a long time i wonder if that'll come back because i mean it's probably a good place to go in the apocalypse ah uh, yes right yes. It's, a good, it's a good shelter they're probably gonna hide the women and children in there uh, and by women and children i mean like the twins and um oh like, the twins that's it. yeah do we want to uh, get into those little fuckers 
I really don't because this whole thing makes me very uncomfortable because evil children are not on my list of things that I enjoy. The best though, and we're going to get into it because of course there's a whole lengthy backstory as to why Betty sees an aura on one and not the other, but the reason is reversed and do you want to do you you're very good at explaining do i this stuff. i honestly don't understand what no. any of this was oh so drake our new buddy Aiden yeah this drake. is our other jillian drake <laughs> uh who sounds like a porn star mm-hmm. do, have we seen her before was she an agent in another episode if she was she really didn't have any dialogue was she the one the the one who knew about the the superpower people in the FBI or something or wasn't there another agent though yeah like she Betty talked to somebody at some point I thought it was about their superpowers but I I don't know at any rate but she was very um she came in hot and heavy yes in this episode and actually both of them her and Heather were just like very sultry and like seductive the whole time and it was just kind of I was gonna awkward say. and weird <laughs> I was gonna say because I'm like is this gonna be another lesbian relationship that we're gonna have basically Betty confides in Drake about her past and her dad and all that trauma and Drake basically suggests like you gotta get out of that house now she says that and I'm like wait a minute mm-hmm. I thought she was living with Archie didn't we talk about this like three episodes ago? <laughs> yes, we did. To an extent and several times. To the point that I'm sitting here and when she does ask Archie, I'm thinking to myself, that's your boy. Like, yes. you think he's going to say no? I'm so confused. This was the weirdest conversation. I've never heard a conversation like this between a boyfriend and a girlfriend discussing moving in together. She acted like she was going to be a huge imposition. She was like, can I, can I stay here for a little while? It's just going to be for a little while while I sort some things out. He was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And it was like, what is happening? (laughs) And the way he was like, yeah, that's okay. It was kind of like he was hesitant on it at first. Yeah. Or at least not even thinking about it in terms of their relationship it was more right. like he was doing her a favor right like they of, were just gonna be like you know you could have just roommates. said like yeah you know what i've been thinking we should move in together for a while so you know let's let's do it now you know this is right time. make it sound more of an being in a relationship yeah no that was not a conversation that a boyfriend and a girlfriend have when they're moving in together it was very awkward mm-hmm. very strange and i don't know what it means <laughs> and given almost every episode we see with them in bed it's in archie's bed like she's getting ready for bed at his house. Yeah, right. Yeah, so she spends the night often enough. So I was very, yeah. So we were both on the same page with that. <laughs> yes, that was bizarre. So Drake also suggests that she get the twins tested for the serial killer gene. Because after, yeah, Dad. because <laughs> Betty comes home <laughs> and she finds the twins playing with a cat named butterscotch named butterscotch and they're like creepily talking about this cat and like i'm just always very uncomfortable when there's any sort of even like the hint of violence towards animals in movies and tv shows so Mm -hmm. they were they were kind of implying that they were gonna like do bad things to this cat mind you it seems like juniper is the voice and dagwood is the the muscle the muscle (laughs) only because when you looked at Dagwood, the look on this kid's face, I wanted to punch him. They were both very evil looking, and yeah. I don't like it. 
but he was quiet, which made it worse. And yes. she was the one that did the talking. Well, they finally started talking. They used to just never talk. Oh, yeah. They would just sit there silently. So now they're finally having a conversation. And I don't like what they're saying, but is what it is. Because we want to play with this tail. Like, ew, you weird yeah. fuck. Yeah. No, like, what are you going to do? Cut it off. That's probably exactly what he was going to do. Now, when they're talking about messing with the cat, Betty sees an aura around Dagwood. And so that's what triggers the conversation about maybe one of them has the serial killer gene. So what does Betty do? She does the obvious thing, which is bring them to Dr. Curdle Jr. to get them tested. And honestly, I feel like Dr. Curdle Jr. would be great with these two kids because they are so fucking weird and he's so Mm -hmm. fucking weird. He'd be like the best babysitter for them. But anyway, he does the test. They find out that Dagwood does not have the serial killer gene but juniper does Mm -hmm. so that is weird because betty didn't see an aura around juniper and uh drake suggests that it's because betty has it that there's some kind of hormone that precludes her from seeing the aura in other people who have the serial killer gene but that is disproven Mm -hmm. A couple of times because Alice comes and screams at her for, you know, reasons and Betty sees an aura around her. And then what we see at the very end of the episode is that Betty sees in herself in a mirror and she has an aura around herself. So that's not great. No. And they just made it extra confusing. Yeah. Because Betty is like, I don't know who I pose a danger to. Right. If it's my loved ones or somebody else and... I don't know what danger I pose. So she doesn't tell Drake that it's her. She speaks vaguely and says that she saw somebody who she knows has a serial killer gene and saw an aura on them, but it was actually her. So she's not being a totally honest with Drake and we'll see where that gets her. Mm-hmm. But, you know, per usual, I was very annoyed with Alice because she was being like a raving bitch in this episode. Right. Like, wouldn't you want to know and make sure that these kids are not going to murder anybody? Well, she fucked it up with Betty. <laughs> she knew well, yeah. that Betty had it and then she screwed that up very royally. So I don't trust her to handle the twins any better. And I think it's perfectly reasonable for Betty to uh, remove her from that situation. Um but Alice was pretty mean. And and the thing is, I really don't know. And I don't think I'll ever accept if they try to say that it was Percival's influence that made her say these things, because I actually think that those things could come out of her mouth on a normal day. So yeah, definitely. She a rude bitch. Yeah, this was basically like season one and two, Alice. Yeah, like she has it to her core. So it's really it's there already. Yeah, I think Percival is barely poking around in that mm-hmm. brain of hers. I think she's got all of this evil in her already. So that's Betty's thing. Mm-hmm. And then Cheryl. Heather's fucking weird. Could we just she's say so weird? so weird. She makes me so uncomfortable. And she seems like so much older than Cheryl, but she's yes. supposed to have been the same age. She has Miss Grundy vibes for me. It might be the glasses because... Yeah. Grundy also wore the glasses. And she and just, they had that same weird fake smile. Yes. She feels very predatory to me that mm-hmm. like, because c- it's strange the way that she just shows up 
out of nowhere in response to Cheryl's call, which by the way, she hung up. So <laughs> didn't even talk to her, but right. she arrives. She's not upset at all that Cheryl did not answer all the letters that she sent when they were little. They haven't even attempted to rehash what happened between the two of them. You would think that, you know, even if there are no bad feelings, even if Heather kind of surmised what happened between them, you might think that she would want to clear the air and say, Hey, like, I know your mom was not cool with your sexuality when you were younger. And I'm sure that that's why, you know, we fell out of touch, but let's let bygones be bygones. Let's start over. Like there's nothing, there's nothing no, about it's that. Like she she just either wiped it from her memory or Percival got to her. <laughs> I don't know. I don't trust anybody. So right, but the, like that's the only thing I could think of. Like Percival's getting to the nitty gritty of any, everybody's past. So I wouldn't put it past him to have gotten in touch with Heather, and then Heather's really just working on the present shit to fuck with Cheryl, and the yeah. past is like or wiped the past or many details from the past from her. who knows. I honestly don't know. I mean, we do know that she's a witch and that she dabbles in some serious magic. She was raised by a coven because her mother died tragically. Which... And I found it not funny, but she goes, Cheryl goes, oh, how, how gothic. gothic. And yesterday was actually World Goth Day. So I found that oh. very funny. <laughs> I don't know if there was a correlation or there was an intended correlation there. Probably not. But I was just kind of like, oh, the irony. I thought that was a really fucking weird thing to say to somebody yeah. who lost their mom. <laughs> how gothic. Like even the description of how her mom died, like she didn't really give one. So. No, I don't get where that response would come from. Well, I I was suspicious about that because it seemed like a weird detail to include, and I didn't know if maybe it had to do with the Sabrina universe at all. Like maybe, uh, true. maybe she's related to one of the witches from Sabrina. I also considered briefly that she was related to Miss Grundy, just because again they like had similar yeah, they vibes. They do look alike, and Miss Grundy was murdered, so that. I mean, could oh, term yeah. could be termed a, tra- a tragic accident, but I don't know. I don't love that theory because I think Miss Grundy was too young, but I don't know. It, Heather just had weird fucking vibes and yeah. I was uncomfortable throughout. I just found her to be super accepting is not the word I want to use, but like anything Cheryl said, she was like on board. Like there was yeah. really no thinking about it. She was just well, like, yes. And that's what I mean is so like, that's so weird about this is that there's just no acknowledgement of all the years that have passed without them being friends. And so you think, you know, you show up in somebody's life after not seeing them for a long time. Yeah. There might be a good foundation there to start from, but you don't know this person anymore. And it's, it's almost like she knows more than Cheryl does about what's going on in Cheryl's life. Uh, like, mm. I feel like she has knowledge beyond what she should have at this point but i you know she might have been spying on cheryl for years oh yeah no that's very possible but they have this conversation too where they're like oh so like are you dating anyone right are you single like it was she was so horny heather was so horny this whole episode every time i saw her i was like jesus woman Maybe that's why she was agreeing to everything so she can get in cheryl's pants she's just ready to jump cheryl's bones it felt palpable that they were gonna bang so uh they haven't yet but i think that that's probably on the horizon for them there are a lot of scenarios in which people could have banged this episode and i <laughs> you know we're done with sex. yet again i know we're just not having sex in riverdale anymore again archie and betty the opportunity was there 
Well, you mean moving in together? Yeah, and then they like got in bed and they were getting ready for bed and then they started. Oh right, out. yeah. Betty's in her like really conservative pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> Not that like she has to wear lingerie to bed, but like even just just a t-shirt and underwear. Right. Would have would have at least implied that there might be some touching later on, or you know. Yeah. No, she was early very uh, very clothed. Yeah. There was one thing also about Cheryl that she wants to turn her house into a, a private library. <laughs> and that's her excuse to keep Heather around, basically. So Heather's going to help her turn her home into a library, which, <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> right. I mean, why would somebody that has pyrokinetic powers yeah, wanna live want in a library? <laughs> among all the paper, all that right? incendiary paper. Maybe you can help me. Was this in Riverdale or did this happen in Rivervale? Did I say that? Did I say that right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Didn't Cheryl want to turn it into a school for girls? Yes, that was Rivervale. Are you sure? I thought that might have been the end of season five. Oh, right. Because that's when it might have been Rivervale. She kind of recruited Britta. Yeah. And that's when we found out about Abigail and like her whole thing. And that's when I thought that she was inspired basically to like start the school up again. Huh. I mean, it doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't. But I think you're right. I think it was end of season five. And then we got hit with River Vale. And then all the Abigail shit happened. And that runneth over into River Vale. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just very funny to me, you know, between like this idea and then the El Royale becoming pops temporarily. You know, it's Oh, just... and who painted it? Uh, what paint did they use? Benjamin Moore? Oh, yes. And I think Tabitha even says, like, thanks again, Benjamin Morgan, or something. She goes, <laughs> Benjamin Moore for the win. I again. was like, oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Damn. These I- I'm not even going to lie. I think the setup at the El Royale was actually kind of nice. I liked it a lot, actually. I like, I think the El Royale <laughs> works a lot better as a diner than it did as a boxing gym or yeah. a town hall. Where are they going to have the town hall meetings now? We actually haven't had a town hall meeting in a while, which is refreshing. <laughs> I know because it was every it was like at least three times an episode and I was over it okay um now I'm, I'm finally looking at my notes I was just doing this like off the cuff <laughs> before um so now I'm remembering stuff I wanted to mention one of my favorite parts was when Tabitha went into the oddity shop and confronted Percival and on her way out she smashes his vase for, oh yeah like, no reason <laughs> it was just like yeah break that vase you bitch it kind of reminds me of when a cat taunts you and just knocks something over. <laughs> yes, exactly I'm familiar with like. that. <laughs> yes, would be. And then the other thing was when one of Archie's crew at Pops gets electrocuted by the jukebox. Like, why would you try to move it while it was on? Because, like, it starts playing. Right. And you then didn't even like, try to unplug it first. Yeah. And then they're like, let's just go move this thing that's playing. And it was like, of course, somebody got fucking electrocuted. It was functioning at the right. time. <laughs> and the best part. I think everybody has an answer for everything in this show. So like it's never a good one though. No, but it was just so funny how like Archie goes to Tabitha and is like, oh my guy got electrocuted. And she's like, it's impossible. I just got it serviced two months ago. Yeah. Like, it was right. So specific. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, of course she did because Yes, the jukebox servicing appointment was very recent. Mm, very so, recent. Another comment I have. So when Jughead goes into Reggie's mind to erase his memory Mm -hmm. it's all in comic books for him the way that Betty's was but I thought that Betty had to arrange that for him like when he was going to go in there he said you have to think of your like organize your memories for me so that'll be easier for me to go through them 
And so she did that. But Reggie wasn't prepped for I any think of they this. were right. And I think that they are I think they're there. So like when Jughead's about to like when Jughead does do that, the comics are there to show us points of a person's life. But I think in terms of Betty's, like she organized them prior. Whereas Reggie's, he had to kind of sift through a little more to mm-hmm. find what he was looking for. And then in order to erase that memory, he ripped the page out of the comic book, which I found to be kind of an interesting way to execute that. I mean, it would be nice if it was that easy <laughs> to cleanse right? our memories <laughs> of unwanted out of the book. things. That might be all I have. It was also weird that Fangs referred to him and Tony as gangbangers. Yes. He goes, <laughs> what? Because we're gangbangers? I'm like, whoa. That was Or because you're criminals, but okay. Yeah, I think gangbangers was the <clears throat> wrong term there, but that's what they went with. So I also loved that because I watched the subtitles and instead of Fangs, they used his last eight Fogarty instead. So it'd be oh. like Fogarty colon. I'm like, what? Why? He has a first name. I don't yeah, know. that's weird. They did they do that for anybody else? Nope, just Fangs. That's so weird. Huh. It's not like there's two Fangs and they had to differentiate. Right, exactly. And if they're not doing that for everybody else, that doesn't make any sense. Um, The last thing that I will comment on is Jughead and Veronica have a conversation about how they never liked Reggie. Or Jughead's like, I never liked Reggie in high school. And just, I feel like they're retconning Reggie into a villain. And yeah, he did some shit in high school, but he also went through some shit. Yeah, and he wasn't really a major player back then. He was trying. He, I think the he made an effort. The poor kid has dyslexia. Right? And a abusive father who just passed away recently. Like, this poor kid is going through it, and nobody was ever there for him. They always treated him like a tertiary character at yeah. best. So, of course, he didn't feel supported or like he had anybody he could turn to for an influence a good influence i still i still can't get over the fact that the biggest thing veronica hated about having the kiss of death is that <laughs> he was, was the last, last kiss. i know that's so offensive <laughs> it's so offensive and i'm pretty sure he is a good lay you're just a total bitch right <sighs> that is the weirdest thing to think about <laughs> when you're when you're in that situation and then i also think about it too because it's like the actors dated in real life so mm-hmm. I just wonder, like, if that stings to a different level sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it seems like they're, unless this is why they're doing this to them and are not having them be right. together anymore if they just have trouble. I mean, some couples are able to make it work, but. Like, maybe they really do hate each other, so they're playing on it pretty well. Like Chai Michael Murray and Sophia Bush and yes. One Tree Hill, which de- <laughs> deprived us of the proper ending, but whatever. <laughs> The other thing is, uh, I guess Veronica's decided that she doesn't have to continue to dress like a widow anymore. She's back to normal clothes. She's abandoned the dark lipstick and the veil. So she's Mm -hmm. got it under control, basically. Like after that whole episode of being totally out of control, Mm -hmm. she's got her powers under control, which is great. All because she kissed Archie. Yes. (laughs) His healing kisses. (laughs) Ugh. All right, that's it for me on this one, I think. Yeah, I think I'm done too. <clears throat> Your voice certainly is. <laughs> I'm getting better though. Okay, well, that's good. Because we have another episode of Riverdale next weekend. They are just not letting up. We They're are not giving us a break. Powering through. <laughs> yeah, next week's I think is called Blue Collar. 
Not exactly sure what's going to happen, but I believe the one after that is the musical. Womp womp. I keep waiting because I know it's it's coming. it's literally called American Psychos, and I'm even more angry. So cannot wait to rip that episode apart. (laughs) All right. So we're coming up on Memorial Day weekend. Do you have any plans? Anything good? Uh, No, I'm going to try to get to the beach, and I'm going to try to get less sunburned than I did this past weekend. That's a good idea. Um, you are going on vacation though. Yeah, I'm going back up to visit Crystal and I will be guesting on her podcast, the Rebel Killer podcast. Not sure when those episodes are going to air, but I believe I'm going to be in two of them. Look at you, you little podcast star. I know, I know. Put it on my resume. Yeah, I need more friends with podcasts so I can star on their podcasts. (laughs) I'm making friends on Twitter. We're going to get there let's set us up some collabs but yeah so keep an eye out for those we're going to be announcing the full lineup of the june movie soon rubber is coming out on the 31st good episode don and i have very different opinions about it so it was probably the one we disagreed on the most so far so that was pretty funny yep check it out tweet us team lisa or team don oh yeah (laughs) i actually was going to bring up to you i think it would be pretty cool if we asked around what movies people want us to do and we could do like a listener choice of the month or something yeah i mean that sounds good starting to hate my choices and (laughs) oh that's not true i mean we're trying to pick movies that we hate aren't we no i know i know (laughs) i'm but i'm trying way too hard i'm finding (laughs) the bottom of the barrel yeah i'm totally down to let strangers torture me with their movie choices (laughs) amazing we could take the blame off me for a little bit (laughs) designing some new merch that's our logo merch so it's going to be more very general stuff we're going to try to make them into stickers too because there's a whole twitterverse sticker swap thing oh a sticker swap so i think that would be cool so again we have a lot of things coming up very excited leave us reviews if you like us we love reviews and you could also just tweet at us directly or respond to our Instagram posts. Email us. Um, send us a drink. I really want somebody drink. to send us a drink, guys. <laughs> send us a drink. We're going to have a cocktail coming out for rubber. So get ready for that. But yeah, send us a drink. Because if you like what we make, or what Lisa creates, rather, <laughs> it'll help us create more stuff so yes that's our creative juice and we'll toast to you if you uh buy us a drink we'll shout you out obviously absolutely (laughs) this drink sponsored by joe schmo perfect perfect (laughs) and until then that's endgame